0: Greetings and welcome to the 80 Level Roundtable Podcast. In each episode, host Kirill Tokarev invites video game industry leaders to talk about the world of game development. No topic is off limits as long as it relates to video game development. New episodes are in the works, so remember to follow us or subscribe and share with someone you know will also enjoy the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. And today we have with us Andrew, who we're going to talk a little bit about the very interesting game that uh, he and his team has been working on. Uh, But Andrew, before we jump into it, can you do like a little intro? Tell us a little about yourself, your team, where do you guys work, what do you do and that kind of thing.
1: Sure. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm the founder and uh, CEO of Forest Studio. Uh, we are an indie game company based here in Malaysia, and uh, we're actually releasing our first ever video game. It's called The Company Man. It's coming out on Switch uh early this year. Yeah, so we're really excited to share that with you.
0: So, uh, how big is your company? So, y- you guys are based in Malaysia. Is video game industry big in Malaysia?
1: Uh, there are a lot of
0: developers there?
1: Yeah, so I think compa- comparative to US is tiny, uh, we're, but we're just starting out. So I'm one of the few indie developers that's uh, popping up here. We have a big uh, outsourcing scene, uh, but we're starting to get more indie, indie developers. My studio itself is just a four-person startup. Just on this project, we had collaborators around Malaysia as well, helping with us with the sound design, with the animation as well. Yeah.
0: So, how did you guys manage to pull it off? I mean, it's, uh, it seems like a very robust, uh, big title with a lot of uh, stuff to do in there, and there's wonderful graphics and beautiful music. Yeah. Animation is nice. Um, how did you manage to do it with such a small team?
1: Well, thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that compliment. It's always nice to hear because I think my team is just amazing. Uh, what they've done, because just to give you context, a lot of us this is our first ever video game. So, uh, and like I mentioned before, the indie scene here isn't uh, like fully grown out or mature like in, in in US. So we don't have a lot of like knowledge sharing uh, that you can get in US. But I can say that the individual developers here are really close and they share whatever uh they have uh but yeah we're all pretty new to this so it really took a lot of time doing the research and uh doing the work and just getting stuff wrong experimenting uh fixing it and getting it right um yeah and i i'm really proud to say uh n- like It's not really a compromise. It's really a great product. It's uh, excellent. I really love what we've made. Uh, the storytelling, the visuals, the color uh, choices, the stylistic choices in the game is really uh, a sight to behold, even for myself.
0: Andrew, when, when you were starting the game, did you, how did you make a decision as to what engine to use? Did you go with Unity or Unreal, and why did you choose a particular tech?
1: Well, um, well. At first, I was completely clueless, right? So I just started trying out a few uh, different engines, but I think Unity had the best uh, solutions for us. So we ended up going for Unity, uh, mainly because we wanted to make a 2D game, right? So uh, and the the stylistic choice of using sprite sheets um, factored very heavily into mm. that. So Unity does have very strong sprite sheet support. Um, and yeah, we care about every single frame and we debate every frame. Uh, and I think Unity's pipeline really supported that, um, the best it could.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about the game. So, um, in, in, in the press release that, uh, you guys sent, you said that it, uh, it was heavily inspired by the office, um, TV show, which is. Which is, as you know, it's huge around the world and it's huge in U.S. Although it ended, you know, many years ago, it's, people just love it. They just binge watch it all the time. So, can you tell us a little bit about how this idea kind of came to mind? Because it's not something you would see uh, traditionally when people are making their platform. It's usually something yeah. like a fantasy game or a sci-fi game, and here you are taking like this mundane. Kinda of idea of going you know up the corporate ladder and turn it into this adventure, so how did you guys come up with this? Thing?
1: Yeah, so for those of you who don't know our game, the company man basically is a two d platformer where you make fun of corporate culture right so you can actually hit your coworkers with a keyboard, you can shoot emails at them as you try to become CEO I really got inspired uh, from The Office because I love The Office. I, I am a huge fan of uh, the show myself. I think my art director and I, between the both of us, we've watched it like eight times. Uh, and I watch reruns when I'm like uh, trying to fall asleep or st- uh, stuff like that. So I really love the show. Um, I, well, when I started working, I realized some of these characters, uh, they're not fantasy. They're actually real. They're actually people like that, you know. And uh, I always thought like, you know, corporate culture is funny. There's a different type of code that, that you operate in. And there's so many similarities between real life and video games. Uh, and you can really see it throughout our, our entire game, right? We make fun of how you get to get training certificates, to get new skills and new abilities along the way. You have to drink coffee to survive and recharge yourself. Um, and yeah, uh, all these ideas came from, uh you know that the office as well as uh discussions and uh experiences that we had around the office like our office our studio um, yeah
0: (laughs) i kind of have to ask this question did you guys have any experience kind of working in a in a large corporation is this a a thing in malaysia when when you know young people like in japan or like in other asian countries where people are kind of Finishing graduating, and then they're um, entering the corporate world, and then they're slaving there like from nine to five and late into the
1: night. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially for here in Malaysia, right? Because it's like the Southeast Asian region. So we definitely have a lot of companies like that. Uh even with like our family members and things like that. But of course, I will preface this by saying like the, the company I came from wasn't the, the sole inspiration of all this content, right? Um it, there are definitely like characters in there that are inspired, but I won't say like it was an evil corporation that I came from. Uh but we really condensed each individual experience and then we tried to play it out into this massive uh world that felt um relatable to everyone in the world because there are different types of bosses that you meet, you probably won't meet all these bosses at the same time unless you're working in a really bad company, right? Um, But there's like a lazy boss, you know, there's a boss that like uh, delegates all his work and there's a boss that's just evil and yeah, we have all like a dictator, we have all kinds of bosses and uh, we just thought we cram it all into one crazy company and then just let players have the chance to shoot them with emails.
0: Tell us a little bit about, um, so that's actually one of my uh, questions, is that you have a lot of interesting kind of takes on the weapons that the guy, your protagonist, Jim, is kind of carrying around. So he has a a Zord that's actually a keyboard. He's uh, shooting emails and, you know, all all the kind of stuff. How did you guys kind of start, you know, ideating and figuring out how do you want into kind of battle this corporate world, and there are oh. like other like chainsaws, and there's like um, moving blades and all the other stuff. There ice monsters, and there are you know, fire and all that stuff. So how did it? How did you kind of ideate and come up with all those ideas?
1: Well, it, it. I can't give you like an elegant answer because there wasn't like oh we found this, but definitely there were few core uh, principles that we were working with. So when I so, so, I really like The Office. I wanted to have that very subtle humor and, um uh, like sub-cur- subcurrent of humor that was going through the whole content. Uh, but I re- learned really quickly that, um, you know, that show was a lot about the awkward pauses, the looks in the screen and things like that. So actually, I really thank you for asking this question. Not, not a lot of people have actually asked me that. Um, so when when we ran into that roadblock of, of like we needed awkward pauses, we realized there's this uh interaction that happens in video games where the player can just walk away when things get like too quiet or silent. So they don't really feel that awkward silence. And um, we needed to make the characters more expressive, more exaggerated so that they really pop out and feel alive. Um, so then we went with um, our really strong Japanese animation uh, influence and we made the characters really lively, really vivid and really bright. And yeah, so that it, it came from that Japanese uh, animation melded with the office. Then after we realized, okay, how do we make a uh, environment hazard that that fits into this world that really feels like it belongs here, right? It can't be just a whole bunch of staplers on the floor and things like that. So we'll go through like a whole bunch of these discussions, then we plan out, we throw out concepts, then we go through... uh, a concepting phase about uh, jokes that we could make. Sometimes you just throw stuff at the wall. Uh, then so for like accounting, you know, the, the idea is that the, the aircon is left on too long. Assets get frozen, which is a little accounting joke. Then uh, actual assets fall down from the screen and they're frozen and they can hurt the player. Uh, there's razors on the ground and things like that. So yeah, that's how, how we sort of blended everything together and found design solutions for the game.
0: it doesn't quite work. And you, you have a
1: construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off? The, uh. way, the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely.
0: Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. So, um... Do you, how long was the actual production? How long have you been working on the game?
1: Yeah, so, um... Yeah, when we completely from start, it's actually took a process of three years. Um, yeah, three years, three years. It so just took during, three years.
0: during those kind of three years, what do you feel were like the most um, challenging periods? Like, when did you feel like you had, you know, the biggest problems or you were like most insecure and didn't know what to do? Because we... Uh, like a lot of our viewers and readers, they're actually developers themselves, and uh, they might be struggling with the same kind of problems. So it would be nice if you can kind of tell us when did you feel like the lowest? And how did yeah. you get out of that um, rut?
1: Sure. Um, okay, so let, let me just start with like the lowest question. Well, I think for me personally, uh probably was the hardest at the start because i i didn't know how to actually run unity and how to write a line of code and things like that so i had to learn there was was a lot of like um context that i need to learn how to operate things uh, on top of that, I had to learn how to run a production line, how to make sure like everything is timed out. Because when everyone started working on this project, right, they they didn't even know how long their, their own personal work, like how long would it take to draw one character. They couldn't give me time estimates or they gave me time estimates. Sometimes uh, it would take longer than that. So yeah, that part was really tough. Like I, I felt like I was leading the team in the dark and I had to figure it out. Uh, but I would say what really got me through that was a really strong team that I, I had. I think the team was really willing to learn and they were really hardworking, right? Um, and I was in the trenches with them. We just kept trying to watch tutorials online, uh, pick up stuff uh, along the way. Um, to be honest, it was a bit bumpy because we had to go through that, that process. You know, when you start making a game, especially in pre-production, you don't get it right straight away then you sort of don't know what the issue is, but you know something's wrong. Uh, but then you sort of are guided by the light, which is like, um, is this fun? Is this really fun? Is this really compelling to someone who's never met us, never known us? So we had to go through the process of showing it to the audience. So every, everyone tells me, you know, you got to show it to people as soon as possible. But I think what they don't tell is when you show it to them, then you realize they don't like it uh you realize it's it's not something you want to hear that's why people are afraid to show it uh to to outsiders right so but i think you just got to do it and you show it to people and you get the feedback you go back to the drawing board you do it again again so we have this saying it's called experimentation is progress uh that just encourages us to keep trying right uh and i think now looking at the product because um it, it, it's been a while since we went through that phase. And it's just to see how far you can. can't even imagine uh, the people we were, like in skill wise, making something like this, right? Because we really came from nothing. And I'm just looking at it and I just feel so proud of what the team has done and the beautiful work they've created.
0: So, Andrew, can you talk a little bit about how you were kind of doing those um, demos? I know that you showed your game on different events. And yeah. uh, I think you went to PAX and uh, all the other spaces. So how did you kind of prepare for those events? Did you build like a special demo for for a particular event? Like did you, how did you work on the marketing? Did you do like a a large booth or a small booth? Or did you take part in like these kind of indie booths that they usually have on uh, You know when there's like a lot of smaller uh, games like in a row and stuff like that. How did you kind of approach that? And did did you have like help from the publisher on this, or did you do it on your own, or how did it work?
1: Um, Well, so for the earlier part, so there's many stages to this, right? Of course, when we got later, uh, we showed it to bigger audiences. We even tested on this platform uh, for those of you developers who don't know called G Round uh so there's it's international testing it's a website you can put your game on there you can get feedback from people you've never met um yeah so it's really great i really encourage you to do that. they give you a feedback report as well um and you can just see like play analytics but if you're like really like at the start like me um well we st- we started out with friends just coming over and playing the game uh some of my friends were very generously Uh, honest with their feedback and just told us some of the issues. Uh, But then also we have this really great community here in Malaysia called Game Dev Hangout. So it's a whole bunch of little indie studios. It's it's not that big. uh, When we started, it was about like 30, but I think now we're about like 100. Uh, But we haven't met since the pandemic, so I'm not sure um, what's the full score of things, but I'm assuming it's grown because the industry has grown as well. Uh, then we just give each other feedback uh, from a game developer standpoint. I think those are really great. So whatever country you're in, try to find the equivalent of that. Um, even if it's really small, I think people who are really actively trying to do games give really good feedback and really honest feedback as well.
0: So how was the initial feedback from like potential customers, from from gamers? Did they like it or did they don't not like it? And... Uh... How did you kind of change the game to make sure that it uh, resonates with the market? Because when I first saw some of the screenshots and I saw the trailer, I thought it was like a very good uh, fit and it looked fun. And I'm sure people would love to kind of just play around because it because yeah. the topic itself, it resonates with so many people. So what were like the initial
1: reactions? Yeah, we always get that like people love this Uh, concept because i i mean uh, it's it's true right that there's that corporate culture is is something that's difficult that everyone faces right um even in a good company you you still run into themes like uh how, how do we deal with this marketing campaign we have to work overtime uh things like that um during stressful periods you know you're trying to manage a production so yeah the that's definitely something that that people always jump on and they love and they just fall in love with the game as well uh the the feedback actually that we get from people uh it's sort of it's sometimes it's not very clear like what what the issue is like i'll give you an example of how how tricky it can be like sometimes people will be because we're like making a 2d platform is like very specific uh, People do have a lot of expectations that they come into uh, the game with because 2D platformers are a very established genre, right? So they would have expectations like, how do we jump from point to point when they miss a jump? Uh, there's this thing called coyote time where once you fall off a ledge, you can still jump, and that makes the game feel so much uh greater. Those were things that we will watch, uh, like people will yeah. give us feedback like, I'm missing this jump, I don't know. Why or they're bumping their head on something, then we will have to watch and listen and try to uh, reiterate until we've found that. They just want a feeling of uh, smoothness when they're playing Mm -hmm. the game. So we really fought for that, and we had to sometimes dig through the feedback to find things like that.
0: I got you. Tell us a little bit about the art style that you chose. So you kind of mentioned that you were inspired a little bit by Japanese animation's, and obviously the office itself, right? Because there are like a lot of like little bits taken from there. But uh, overall, I think you did an amazing job with how you kind of increase the proportions of certain characters or created some new animation loops when they were attacking you or something like counting is attacking you or something else, like the big boss lives like in this golden room or wherever. Uh, So how did you, and where did you find these ideas? How did you work on the styles to make sure that everything kind of looks the same? So it's not, you know, just a mismatch of different things.
1: Yeah, so, um, well, you actually asked like a few questions at one shot. Uh, But let me me just start with the art style. So um, in our region, in Southeast Asia, we're actually like, very heavily influenced by Japanese animation. Um, When we got the team together, then we just started working on it. I think naturally we gravitated to uh, the options that Japanese animation could bring for the content, because we realized that our characters were really small on the screen, especially for the 2D platformer. So we wanted uh, an art style that could really pop out and, and be exaggerated, but still feel like it made sense. And somehow, when, when you play with Japanese animation, it sort of gives you the liberty to be a bit more crazy and wacky. Mm. And that's where we get our wow, wacky style for the game. Um, yeah, so that, that's how we landed on the art style. Then after that, we had to figure out how to do the animation, which was very difficult. Um, we actually had a whole like character animation for the main character that we threw out. Um, and because we realized that once you scale it down to a small size, if the if the place not if the character's not really exaggerated, you can't really see uh, his facial expressions or like you know in the office when you slant your eyebrows or some some like, or someone makes an awkward comment then you stare into the screen you can't really do that um, with a two D platformer at, at least mm. with like as we tried to right so. Uh we went with this animation style. We decided to make everything super exaggerated and I think yeah, it, it came out looking excellent. Yeah, we really love it. Yeah, sorry, oh, did, did you have another question that I missed out? Because like, no, No, no.
0: Yeah. I, I think that I think you basically answered it. Um I, I do have one more question. So you are launching the game first on Switch, as far as I understand. So yes. what where did you go with this particular platform? And um did you have any trouble kind of adapting the title to switch because i know switch right now is super popular among indie developers there's like a lot of games coming out and um why did you choose it do you feel like there's uh, a lot of people who would love this particular game or aren't you afraid of like the competition that is on the platform
1: well i i can just give you a reference point because you're saying most of your developers are so most of your listeners are developers right so um i'm not sure what the exact number is but i, I think on steam uh, which is pc there's like about a few hundred thousand games uh whereas on switch i think it's about uh i i might be wrong on this because it has been some time since i checked the data but i think it's about four thousand uh unique games Yeah, somewhere, it's just a crazy uh, number difference in the level of competition. So even though the competition is high on the Switch, it's not as high as um, other platforms. And I think PC gamers, um, yeah, PC gamers, like every screen is a bit different. Every um, keyboard like controller is a bit different. But I think on console and especially on Switch, you know, you have people who, uh, I mean, the... Like everything is unified, everything is really clear cut. So the development process was actually um quite like a lot easier. We just needed to focus on making sure it works on the hardware. Um yeah, on top of that, I think we got to yeah, we managed to to find an audience there that that really connects with this content because it's like our animation style. We also have um, a lot of people playing 2D platformers on a switch. So we felt like it was a perfect fit. Yeah,
0: I, I, it does seem like it's a very good fit because people really love platformers. I myself, I play a lot of platformers on switch. Yeah. It's like my, uh, and I use the system a lot because, uh, when my kid is watching television, I can't do anything else. So I, I kind of have to use the switch. And that's
1: why yeah, it's perfect. So
0: well. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. Exactly so i do have one more question so are you guys working with a publisher on on this game or are you doing this alone
1: uh we are working with a publisher we're working with leo so mm-hmm. um basically we uh yeah we, we're, we're collaborating with them to bring this game to the world
0: yeah so my can you explain like why do you guys decide to work with a publisher is it because of like the global, you know, scale, or maybe because you don't have the people. You, you said that you're like a small company, so you probably don't have like marketing managers or like people who are doing sales and so on. Yeah. Um, and uh, tell us, how do you work with this company? Because I know a lot of um, th- there are there are examples. For example, there is a, a guy who was creating Axiom Verge. So it's like a mid right kind of game and um, it was being developed by one person it's basically one guy creating the whole game and uh, his publisher is basically also one guy he's like yeah. it's like a former I think it's one of the former Nintendo kind of people and he's yeah. kind of organizing everything with you know outsourcers or someone else and he has all the connections and everything so how do you guys see your collaboration with the publisher and what are like the biggest advantages that the publisher brings to an indie studio or like yours? Okay, yeah,
1: so so for the publisher, um... okay, we definitely love working with our publisher. If, if not, we wouldn't have signed anything with them. Uh, but I I'm just trying to think from the perspective of your audience, what what would what would be helpful for developers, like if they were the decision to try to make. Uh, make the same decision as well. I definitely believe, like, uh, it might be a bit old school for me to say that, you know, if if you're making your first game even now, um, it might be a good idea to consider uh going with a publisher uh, for these reasons, right? I think uh, marketing is really hard. Um, and although now with social media it's easier to get a global reach, you know, you definitely can find people who support you online. Uh, which if, if you've got that and you have a massive following um, online already, that's wonderful and I'm really happy for you and uh, But for a lot of developers, I think probably you' uh, maybe you haven't started, you haven't built that brand yet. Um, going with a publisher definitely helps show, show you the ropes as well, uh, how to write a press release, all these sorts of things that you have to go through. Uh, they also help with managing the storefront uh the the relationship between uh nintendo and and our company is managed through the OFO. um yeah that so and uh, of course they i think marketing is actually expensive it's not just a lot of work it's also very expensive um to to get press coverage to get ads out digital ads even if you're going on facebook now i think their algorithm has changed to favor more paid ads and sponsored content Uh, so this is what things like a small startup uh, may not be able to afford so going with a publisher might be the right move for some of you uh but of course if you really feel like you can do it on your own i also uh, i i also think it's a good idea yeah just make sure that you have a brand following that's willing Mm. to support your brand um yeah, and just take the steps that you need to to go for it. Of course, there are, there are some publishers that are willing to come in early as well uh, to fund your your production. So for some people, that is the the main concern, right? Not so much the marketing, but the funding of the project. Because uh, games do take a really long time to make. They might take three years. They might take four years. A publisher can help smooth that out a little bit more with a pay schedule. Of course, I do encourage you to do your research as well to make sure that... Um, that That publisher is legit and isn't uh out to scam because there are definitely a lot of horror stories that that I heard, and I had to go through checking things out to make sure that um the leoFO is the right fit for us and i i well, I'm happy to say that I found a publisher that we could trust um to work with yeah that's been a load off our back
0: yeah. a- Andrew, so you you mentioned one important comment I feel um when you talked about the community so you were building this community for the game because community is basically one of the first targets you need to hit if you want to <clears throat> to make some sales because this is like the, the the first people they're gonna buy your title and uh, their reactions and the way they kind of you know spread the word about the game it kind of influences all the other sales and um, I'm wondering how do you, how did you approach building this community? And what tools did you use? Did you, um, cause it's switch on, on, on steam. You can, <clears throat> you can run your own page and kind of gather people around that page and you can put it in wish list and all that stuff. But how did you do it with the release of the switch version? Did you go and uh, build your community on Facebook or discord or how did it work?
1: Well for, for us, we're everywhere right so we're we're um yeah, we're on twitter, we're on instagram, we're on Facebook, so wherever you want us, uh you can reach us uh we're even on discord, and yeah, so I think it's really important to just every every comment that you get when you're starting out is important, right, and even as you grow bigger it's important, and uh even if you know you only have a few comments. I mean, even better. You should respond to them. Uh, try to understand where the pain points are. If they if they have any complaints, um, yeah. And I also would encourage you. You know, so sometimes it's really tough to get to hear uh, something isn't working for your game, uh, but you sort of have to stare into the abyss and address the issues uh, so that your game can get better. And I think through that process, it's just like any relationship, right? Uh, you have to look at it as a friendship. Um, i mean not as a friendship but as a real relationship if a relationship is healthy it's not just one way it's two ways right they're giving their feedback you're responding to it you're listening to them um and and you're helping them out to really enjoy your content
0: right andrew thank you so much for the talk i think it was very inspiring and uh once again we'll leave the links to the game some people can check it out and uh and see it and it uh, looks wonderful and uh, I really congratulate you with this uh, achievement and hope to see many new games from you and your team in the future.
1: Thank you, Kirill. I'll, I'll love to uh, talk to you again soon.
0: Alright. Cool. Thank you so much. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable Podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP and share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.